Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Anthony Waterson, and I am joined once again by my co-host Gary Clark. How's it going, Gary? Very well, and very well. And yourself? I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Better than the weather, I suppose. We're getting a bit windy up here. But, yeah, getting um, Yeah, well, <laughs> we're talking football um, again, obviously. Um, we're joined this week by the host of the PO4 podcast, uh, Hugh Bunt. How are we doing, Hugh? Yeah, I'm great, lads. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's going to be a good chat, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, just for people who don't know the PO4 podcast is probably Portsmouth. Um, and with me and Gary being stout Sunderland fans, there seems to be a little bit of a rivalry happening between Sunderland and Portsmouth since both teams have been in League One. Um, what do you mean of that? Because it's, it's a bit weird how everyone thinks it's starting you now when we're on opposite sides of the country. I mean, I've done quite a lot of Sunderland podcasts. It's quite funny. Um, going back to that year where we were in the, in the playoffs, we played each other in, in the checker trade pizza, whatever it was called at the time, <laughs> trophy. And I remember, I think at the time, uh, Graham Falk was hosting the, the Roker Report. And I think I went on it each time and he did the same on my podcast. So I think at the time, obviously Graham now runs his own pod, but at the time it was, you know, it was interesting to see that sort of feistiness. And I think... Some Sunderland fans necessarily didn't take as well, maybe, to to what I was saying on the podcast at the time with the guys chatting about it. But it was, I think, it was we we're both quite level headed at the time. But I think it's more just two clubs that were in this league 
expectant, you know, fans and fan bases. He thought, you know, we should be getting out of it. And now, years and years later on, here we still are, both two teams, and still neither of us are in an automatic promotion space. To be honest, I still think we'll both be in the same division <laughs> next year as well. It's uh, it's it's not it's not a great one. But uh, we'll we'll start at the very beginning for you, really. I mean, what what made you become a Portsmouth fan? Is it through family, through uh, through parents, as what it usually is? Well, my family's from Barcelona, but I decided to uh, seek glory and be a Portsmouth fan. But no, <laughs> my, my my dad's, uh, my mum and dad are both um, from the Portsmouth area. They're both from Gosport, which is just over the harbour from Portsmouth. For people who don't know where that is, listening. So it was one of those things, just a family thing, really. I don't think anyone really chooses to necessarily be a Portsmouth fan if they're not from from around that area. It's not a club that necessarily, you know, one of the glory teams that you support. So growing up as a kid, so we're taken to Fratton Park by my old man, by my dad. Um, and I think, I suppose, it's the atmosphere, the fan base, and it's one of those things you can you can sort of get sort of wrapped up in as, as a young kid as well. And I think Pompey's always been quite a, a locals team in the fact. It's a proper football club, you know, whether you think the same of it with Sunderland in the middle of the houses, you know, where, where, where Fratton Park is in the, in the terrace right down there. So I used to get taken along to games with my dad, really. I think... A first game I went to, I've been asked this question before, so I had to go and check with my dad. Was I think I was five or six? I think it was against Tranmere uh, in the old the old Championship or old Div One, which is now the Championship. I think we lost one 0 so it was nothing really that that glamorous or whatever. But just going to football, I suppose, and the family connections, and I suppose it's probably the reason why most people support their football club. They do. Yeah, but quite ironically, my first game support was under Dan Trump here with 1992 when we played Tramir. Uh We won, but <laughs> it was uh, quite ironic uh, considering Tramir are pretty much gotten involved. I think now best in the league too, aren't they? So hopefully we'll be back next year because it's quite like going down the road. It's a lovely stadium actually, kind of park. Um, can you remember like when, when growing up, who was your favourite players? Yeah, massively, obviously. I mean, growing up, Pompey were a bit shit, to be honest. I don't know if I can scrub this podcast, but in the championship, we weren't great. Um, but looking at some of my my best favourite players, I'll, I'll try and go a little bit. Oh, why not? Let's go a bit controversial. Um, Lamana Lualawa was a player who was a player that I particularly liked as a kid watching. He's one of those players that had that magic about him for us, you know, that skillfulness and it's even that cheekiness. So I remember he, he scored a goal against Arsenal to equalise at Fratton Park. And he was told by Redknapp, he was like, don't do that celebration where you keep, you know, doing the somersaults at the end and going over the top because you're going to injure yourself, you know. And we're at the time, we we're in a real relegation dogfight. And he said that, yeah, look, Gaffer, I promise I won't do the celebration until Portsmouth are safe or whatever. But he equalises against Arsenal at Fratton Park and he does the celebration and he runs over, does the triple backflip and he just lands himself there. And as he lands himself, he pulls the back of his hammy, I think it is, really bad, quite badly. And then all the other Pompey players pile on him, right? And he's trying to pretend that he was completely fine first. And it was when the guys have piled on him, that's when he's that's when he's injured himself. Yeah, <laughs> try and blag that off. But I was fine gaffer until the lads piled me. But you know, watching Loire Loire was um, was always fun to watch as a player. I remember Bobby Robson saying about it when he was up in Newcastle that... Um... But like, how do you control like someone like Lawala? He says, "Well, I can't because he can't control himself." <laughs> and I guess like, he's, he's what probably like the lap. I don't think there's anyone like that now, Gary. Is there really like you know a real like kind of maverick? Really, is that for Portsmouth? 
like a proper. Just, just in general, just in really, general. like someone like Lawalawa, who really like he, he could literally put one in the top corner one minute, and then the next minute stick it in Rosette, couldn't he? He was just either brilliant or dreadful, wasn't he? Yeah, there was no kind of like in between. I mean, I kind of think of anyone off the top of my head, but no one. I will look. I'll get off this podcast and think of twenty. Um, but no, nah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I mean, obviously we had Nairon who was like that. Um, one day you'd have a brilliant game, and then you could have ten absolutely shocking games. But you know, we've had quite a few players as well that are like that. Um, yeah, I kind of think of anyone on the team at the minute though. I think the world is shit. Hey, what we're racking up these uh, charges, all this bad language going on, lads. But never mind. That's <laughs> normally me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go from to blind to the ridiculous thing here. Can you remember like? In, in your time, we, we normally, I don't know if Gary's put, brought up a list or anything like that, but we normally go through the worst players in, in this team's history. So, um, can you think of any off the top of your head? And then I think Gary's, Gary seems to be on a, on a screen there, so we'll, uh, we'll list some names, see if you can remember them. I've got six poor players here, but uh, Hugh, you can name your worst ones first. Go on then, I'll go with um, Kostas um, Hokias. Uh, he was a, a Greek international goalkeeper. He came from Panathinaikos. He took over from much beloved Shaka Hislop, who Pompey fans really liked. And, you know, generally, he, he was one of those players that the fans loved. He pulled out some sh- shot stoppers. To, obviously, I guess you guys know who Shaka Hislop is. You know Shaka? I didn't even realise that one, mate, off the top of my head. But anyway, the plan was just to lead it in the ex-Newcastle player. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring in some other Sunderland players, by the way, or ex-Sunderland <laughs> players later on. I've got a couple of gems for you, but... Yeah, so he comes in, and I remember watching us. Uh, we played against um, that lot down the road against I'll say against Southampton, and we were. Uh, he came on. It's a derby game, and he just came for everything. Now this is a player who his claim to fame was he won. You know, he won the Euros with Greece as an international keeper, but he was actually the backup goalkeeper, not the not the main guy at the time. And he came for absolutely everything. I mean, like, the ball would come into the box for a corner, but it was going to sort of going out towards the edge of the box, swinging away. And the man's running out, trying to punch it, and he would get nowhere near it. Or uh, a ball would be, a through ball would be played for him. Rather than seeing if the defender can catch him, he'd be out near the halfway line trying to get it. I remember I was actually couldn't make it to the game. It must have been about 16, 17, but I was in my mate's mum's pub getting pretty drunk at the time because obviously I could just drink whatever I wanted to in, in this pub and all my other mates were watching it with me who weren't Pompey fans in this place going, what's up with this goalkeeper? Um, he was generally shocking and it, it turned out that Shaka Hislop said he wouldn't speak to him, not even say good morning to him when they were really? competing, didn't blank him. It's a bit odd for goalkeepers actually who actually generally... We'll talk to each other and a little bit of a goalkeeper's union, won't they? But yeah, he was absolutely rubbish, and uh, I think he fucked off back to Greece. Bless him. <laughs> There's not many good Greek, they're really blessed, uh, especially in the Premier League. I don't think there's been that many as uh, I can't think of any of them that have actually made it well. So, Gary, you've been waiting patiently, then let's have, let's have your sixth list. Yeah, is, so... is this goalkeeper in the list? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I have to go to the next page every time. So number six, it's, oh. it, it's a shock for me every time that comes through. But number six is a guy who I didn't even realise he was 51 years old, but he's a proper journeyman. It was Lee Mills. and I think he was only there a season, though. Lee Mills? I'm oh, sure that's, that's gone over, right over my head, that one. Oh, he was a forward. He was a forward, Lee Mills. I, I recognise the name. He was, he was there like 2000, 2001. By the looks of it, he's literally that must be football manager fame. That Lee Mills, literally, he's been around like he's been at Derby, Portfield, Bradford, Man City, Portsmouth, Coventry, Stoke, 
then Telford and Hereford. Ring any bells? No, do you know what? Somewhere, a load of Pompey fans are listening to this, about to at my inbox, aren't they? So, <laughs> can't believe you don't know who Lee Mills is, Hugh. That is absolutely shocking. Let's hope I can get a couple more of these boys, or I'm going to... It's going to be a bit embarrassing, isn't it? I can't wait for me DM off Pompey, John. <laughs> yeah, well, number five... Number five joined the Blues in 1977, so we're getting kind of far back here. He's South, Southampton legend, Paul Gilchrist. I mean, I was only 30 at the time. Um, <laughs> no, I've heard of the guy. I can't really say that I'm going to... I know much about him. Yeah. I kind of say I know much about him as well. Ooh, number four. We definitely know number four. Uh, and he, he used to play for us. He was a centre-back. Israeli. Tell Ben oh. Tell Ben Haim, aye. Not only, not only was he an awful footballer... <laughs> Signed to, signed to a contract by the club who really at the time the owners were basically stripping money out of the club Peter Story and all those involved with it um, Redknapp and everyone who's involved I'm not sure who's involved in that transfer signing but it was all about agents and fees and getting a slice of the pie and he was signed to some ridiculous I can't remember how much it was 20 30,000 pound a week contract or something uh, I don't know if you've got any more details there Gary but not only was he one of the worst footballers ever but for us to play for us but he actually sued the club for ages yeah um and it, it it doesn't you don't go down too well to fans when you the club's going into trouble and he sued us for everything and i don't know if you've got any more information there gary yeah i'm gonna read a paragraph from it here so it says 55 unremarkable appearances and two relegations later ben haim took the club to the wire over unpaid wages and was criticized at the last stumbling block that almost saw Pompey go out of business, eventually agreeing a termination pack package to spare liquidation. So it sounds like he's a bit of a Robin motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not he's not well thought of. I think uh, I think the press actually only spoken to the man say he's an absolute. And I'll try not to use that another word there because Anthony's looking at me, he's just shaking the jar in the background. <laughs> you know? on, I'm literally just thinking about. And Haim at Sunderland, and it's just brought back terrible <laughs> memories. That's all it is, man. Don't worry. <laughs> he didn't try and rub you as rob you as well, did he? He probably robbed us anyway, putting the shirt, socks, and shorts on. To be honest, he was absolutely ridiculously bad. Um, but came from Chelsea, as well, didn't he? Came from Chelsea. Came, came from Chelsea. Chelsea to us, I believe, as well. Yeah. So. I think he left us to go to Chelsea, and I was like, what? He was hopeless. Awful player. Um, that's that's a, a, a period of history I tend to forget. I, I was drunk at most games, so uh, <laughs> it's a period of history I, I try to remember. But, uh, he was he was awful. He yeah. was awful. Number three as well. I can't say I've heard of number three. It's Ian Baird. Probably well. All I know is he's a scummer. I believe. I think he played for Southampton. Um, I think I don't know if that's why he's made the list at three. Uh, but again. This is this is pretty pretty shocking for me, isn't it? Hosting a Portsmouth podcast and so far, I mean, I don't know any of these, but I've just seen who's number one and number one's going to be impressive. So number two is Rory Allen. Can I say I've heard of Rory Allen? I know, I, I, I know who Rory Allen is. Go on, Anthony, take us away. He was he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> that cleans us all up there. Rory Allen, I remember. I'm sure Rory Allen was at Spurs as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. I believe. Yeah, he was I believe absolutely he... awful. All I can remember is we paid a shit ton of money for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was very, very bad. A million yeah, quid, one and a half million, or something stupid. I believe he was some sort of club record transfer fee, um, and flopped pretty awfully. <laughs> Go on, Gary. Give us the last one. He's number one. It's someone you've already mentioned. It's Costas Chatlas. 
the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had a feeling he'd be there, like. The, the legendary goalkeeper. <laughs> we, we had another one that's quite worth an honourable mention. He's not made the list, and that was Collins Munsumba, who has signed on a three-year contract. Zimbabwe um, national, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He played four games for us, didn't start one game. Uh, he turned up to pre-season and he was so fat, um, <laughs> he, could, he couldn't get around the pitch. They called him the Hurricane, which is really funny, the irony of it. Um, and yeah, I think we signed him purely on reputation. We hadn't actually seen the guy play either. It's always great when you give him a three-year contract <laughs> up front. There's a um, worst Portsmouth team of the millennium here. I'm going to shout this one out. Um, so we've got Costas Ch- Chatless in goal. Right-backs Yasin Muta Quackil. Never heard of him. Um, centre-back Ben Chorley. Didn't he used to play for Arsenal, Ben Chorley? I don't know, but he was really shit. He was a very aggressive player. I doubt he played for Arsenal. He, he can't have done. I'm I, think sure he, he, he I think it was a Man United. I think it was a Man United youth player. Oh, was yeah. it? He, he right got there. sent off against Sunderland, right? This, this Again, this is going back a few years now. Um, he got sent off at Sunderland while playing Huddersfield at home. And he got a yellow card off the referee. And then the referee blew for half time. And Charlie had the ball and threw the ball at the referee and hit the referee on the back of the head. And he got sent off. <laughs> you maybe saw him on a night out now. He'd be wearing Stone Island and he'd be, he'd be on the packet and he'd be, you know, trying to beat you up. That would be Ben Chorley, I reckon, now. Uh, now, you, if you said Arsenal. Oh, can, I, can, I name, can I name one as well? Because I'm fairly confident he played for both. And he's one of my most hated players of all time at Sunderland, Greg Halford. Yeah, Greg Halford. I like Greg Halford. Pompey uh, fans like him, mate. In fact, in fact he's. Uh, he offered to play for us for free, pretty much, when we were looking really shocking. Quite recently, a few seasons ago, and probably fans were like, yeah, get him back. Um, yeah, everyone likes Greg. He's a top lad. He's a top lad. Yeah, genuinely, about, nice player. What about League One? What League One legend, James Vaughan? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't as good as for us as he was for you, let's be honest. You know, obviously, he's dynamite for Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> he scored once, I think, or twice. He scored once, and no word of a lie, Cupped his hands to the Sunderland fans, think we well, stuck him as it gives. You were fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? what are you doing? What's one of them? We had that. Uh, he played for Tranmere after us, I think, didn't he? I don't know if he's still there, but he went he went to Tranmere. Uh, and we went tram I went Tranmere away, which is I know we mentioned him earlier on, top away day, because mm. uh it's in Liverpool pretty much, isn't it? I mean, that's my northern knowledge there. Yeah, and, it is. <laughs> yeah so yeah, he was playing for them as well, and he was giving it the big end to the Pompey fans in that game. So it must be his thing. It, it, it must be. He's, he is director of football at Tranmere. He's retired now, um, but he's director of football, so he's still getting away from very little, um, to be honest, um, which sums them all up. Gary, we'll go back to you then. Is there any more on that list? Uh, uh, there's quite a few. Ben Chorley did start at Arsenal, by the way. He wasn't at Man was at Arsenal. I've just checked. Carl um, right. Tyler. Can I say I've heard of him? Carl Dickinson at left back rings a bell, but again, he's a classic. He he always used to get sent off. Uh, He was one of those, he was a fullback, and you know, that typical English style, I think he's a left back, sort of left back. They called him Dicko, got stuck in. He was just, he's always sort of, you know, studs in on people, pushing them, but absolutely talentless. And I think he went to Yeovil, and that was his now. Sort of like you know, fuck you, Pompey fans. I've, I've bounced back and look how talented I really am because I'm I'm bossing life with Yeovil. But yeah, he was really shit. But what was funny about it was that he went back to us again, so we re-signed him. 
So it was awful the first time. Uh, and then we, Pompey being Pompey decided to bring the man back. Well, I heard that he does a podcast, doesn't he, Carl Dickinson? Uh, or, or heard him on one and he he was saying that was the worst decision of his career. But if that's his <laughs> IQ to come back to the club where he was already disliked at and awful, then I can understand why he wasn't too good at playing football as well. Class. There's a right midfielder as well who the name rings a bell, but I cannot remember this person for the life of me. Rudolfia Duala. I'm getting really rubbish at this, aren't I? I mean, <laughs> I don't know who that is. This is just I'm, I'm on quite, a... I've got quite a good memory of football and players and stuff like that, but I cannot remember that. Yeah, this is just on like a PortsmouthMad.co.uk. There's a plug for their website. Um, website. Um, I'll go through all of them very quickly. Who's left? So does Nick Orford. Brian Howard in centre mid, left midfield Adam Reed, centre forwards were Paul McCallum and Eazar Caradas. Yeah, and shout out Vicky Mornar, another awful centre. I don't know, Vici Mornar, I think he might be in a Croatian international. Again, one of the worst footballers I've seen. <laughs> uh, who did you mention? In, who did you mention? Brian Howard. He's now one of the agents, I think, for Momentum Sports. And I believe maybe Marcus Harness is agent i'm not sure off the top of my head one of one of them anyway up there so he's actually maybe not directly but he's actually helped build a football sports agency yeah. so unlike carl dickinson uh, he seems to have taken his knowledge somewhere else but actually built something with it yeah. was brian howard the one who everybody at one point there was a lot of interest in him um when he was in league one i believe there was a hell of a lot of interest in him and either he got a bad injury or he yeah, turned yeah, I'm fairly confident. I think I know who that is. Yeah, I think there was like really lot of interest in him, and he might have like done a knee or something like that. And um, yeah, bless him. But I mean, before we move on, I mean, there is two absolute legends of the game who have played for all sides. Um, I know exactly who. Obviously, you're Steve say. Agnew, Steve Agnew, tremendous winger, and uh, played for all sides. And recently, well, I say recently, he's left today. Has left Sunderland, Kevin Ball who was a centre mid, I would say a centre-half at Portsmouth. And then Peter Reid, through a stroke of absolute genius, turned him into centre midfielder and is one of the best players I've ever seen in my life. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got... What do you guys think about ball leaving? You, you happy with that? Are you just clearing house? Or what's, what, what is it all about? Well, from what I can gather, from what I can gather, he, he got offered another job in the club, whether it was a lesser job, because I think he was like loan manager or something along those lines. He's like a club ambassador, and I think they offered him probably a, a lesser job, and he's turned it down, which he's going to. You know, I, 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 my, my head at the club at the minute is quite switched off. So, um, yeah, if I say something, I probably will regret it tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, I wish him all the best. He's, he's been, I've met him a few times. He's such a lovely bloke. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the hardest man on the pitch and one of the nicest men off. That's all I can say about him. Gary, I'm sure you, you've got the same uh, thought as me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, obviously when I came out that he was leaving the club, I think I've like everyone I know who's a Sunderland fan has shared one specific picture where he's holding up the trophy with number four on the back. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's shared that. I've shared it. I know you have. I've seen it on your Twitter as well as like other people who are Sunderland fans I know. Um, legend of the club absolute legend and you know like this club Sunderland has been through a lot of crap and you know for years and years and years in the back room for all these stuff by the club he's had a couple of caretaker spells 
he was never molded to ever be a manager, but you know, his passion and his endeavour for the club and stuff just brilliant. Like absolutely love Bali. Like one of my favourite ever players for Sunderland. Um I'm sad to see him go, but you know, probably was the right time for him really. I mean, no one we don't know what's going on in the back room at the minute, so maybe, you know, he's getting out before he's pushed out. Mm, I think they are trying to, to clear a lot of of what was, you know, in the last five, ten years or whatever. So, um, like I said, I don't I'm wishing them all the best. You know what I mean? I can't speak a bad word about them. So um moving on back to Portsmouth though, um you have got your favourite moments support in the club. I mean, there's been an FA Cup win in there. Um, you know, a few few promotions and then I've in the Premier League. So there's probably some highlights, isn't there? Yeah, it's obvious. We got the obvious ones, didn't we? You know, obviously won the FA Cup in two thousand and eight. That was a pretty awesome run. I think beating Man United in the in the quarterfinals was a funny one at Old Trafford when Milan Barros went through one on one and gets taken down. I can't remember who Man United keeper was at the time. Festival. Anyway, he takes him down. It's it's a dive, really. He leaves his leg in. He sort of goes around the keeper and he's, he leaves his leg in and goes down. The keeper ends up getting sent off for it and Rio Ferdinand has to go in goal because they Alex Ferguson obviously did, well, didn't put another keeper on the bench. Obviously, Rio Ferdinand doesn't save the penalty. Sully Mentari steps up, class player. Obviously, ends up oh, going to Inter Milan. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, steps up and um, and buries that one. And then it sort of backs against the wall defending. I think Sol Campbell cleared one off the line. Uh, but, yeah, Alex Ferguson was absolutely disgraced that a challenge went against them, uh, a decision, sorry, went against them at Old Trafford. Couldn't believe it. But I think every neutral fan, as well as every Pompey fan, was pretty happy to see what is questionably not a penalty uh, go down against Man United at Old Trafford. That was that was a great game. We talk about the FA Cup win. Obviously, that was massive. But actually, for me, I think it's two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. We played Tottenham uh, in the FA Cup semi final. So we went, you know, we went again. So it must be in two thousand and ten, yeah. And we were at the moment at that time. I think we were bottom of the league. And we played. We played. We drew Spurs. Redknapp had ditched us, stolen all our players, robbed all our money off us for agent fees, and gone to Tottenham. And at the time, it was pretty feisty. We were rubbish. They were great. And he, what he's doing in the press was talking about how good they were, how they were going to, you know, thump us. And we ended up beating them 2-0. Kevin Prince-Botang in extra time uh, with a winning uh, goal uh, from a penalty. Ex-Spurs as well, cast out from them. So that was one that I remember being the game. Yeah, absolutely loved it. It was probably one of some of the biggest limbs I've seen uh, in the back of Wembley with us just going absolutely mad because no one expected us to, to pull that one off. Was that the, was that the year when, when Tottenham were dreadful at home? Like, did they move to Wembley or something along those lines? It was absolutely awful. Absolutely no idea what Tottenham were doing themselves. At nah. the time, I could not care less apart from the fact that <laughs> all the Spurs fans were giving it the big end. But let's be honest, Tottenham giving it the big end, you know, whatever. <laughs> not exactly the rowdiest of fans and no. yeah yeah it was it was madness and really enjoyed that another one obviously is after scoring after winning the FA Cup we actually qualified for Europe yeah it was pretty mad considering where we are now uh, played AC Milan at home Ronaldinho mentioned it is the best atmosphere in world football just <laughs> slap out the quotes that everyone's seen a million times <laughs> out there but that was pretty mad and let's be honest they only got 
the equalizers really i think one of the fouls that uh the foul i think glenn johnson got done for a trip and it was it was definitely not a foul it was it was unbelievably not a foul but when inzaghi is scoring a 92nd minute equalizer against you at fratton park when the place is shaking that's it's got to be up there isn't it i don't think we're going to be experiencing any of those moments anytime soon uh, we might be old and grey in there, but we'll still enjoy it. it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. But if you just mentioned them and you pulled off some names there, Ronaldinho and Inzaghi. So um, I want I want to say I know the answer to this question, but the best opposition player you've seen at Fratton Park? Um, quite difficult, really, I suppose, in that sense. I mean, Ronaldinho is a great player, obviously, annoyingly good in that time. Inzaghi, obviously decent. I'm just trying to think who else we played at Fratton. It's probably got to be one of those players. I was trying to remember who actually played in that game. I think Gattuso might have played. I can't remember. There's you know some pretty pretty decent players. Maldini might have played. Again, I can't remember that much. I remember it being quite mad. But I'm going to go with one. Let's go a little bit more. Fun. Let's go with Felipe Inzaghi. I mean, he just annoyingly popped up in the 92nd minute to bury that chance. And that's what happens when you play against a world-class strike like that, isn't it? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and 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 Gary, I think you know we've mentioned on this podcast as well. I mean, I always mention Sergio Aguero for for Sunderland's sake, like, obviously not for Sunderland because he never played for us. But like you know, when we've when we've played against him, Thierry Henry, things like that. I mean, and then now we're watching you know Dross. To be honest, and and here I think you're in the same, obviously in the same boat. It wasn't late one, but. It's kind of like when people think, "Oh, you're being arrogant. You're being like this and that, and, and make one and all." I was like, "No, because we've seen better." You know what I mean? I don't think it, we've got a got the mind right. Out of it, don't get us wrong, because we we have to earn our keep and have to earn our stripes to get up. But and like when people go, "Well, this, that, and the other," it's like, yeah, because we've seen better. You know what I mean? So I think that, that's that kind of it's not arrogance. It's just it's a matter of fact, isn't it, Terry? You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you've seen better, so ultimately you're going to want to expect better, and you know. Well, again, like Portsmouth, had a fall from grace, and you know we we don't get that quality or caliber coming through, you know the 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 stadium anymore. Um, you know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we'll we'll, we'll get back to to that the kind of level. But I know what you're saying. I mean, obviously, when you look at greats like Ronaldo, Henri, Aguero, um, playing at your stadium, even even international games being played at a stadium of light. I mean, I think. Uh, we were one of the first stadiums in North East have an England game, I think. Um, like... well, there's only three three stadiums in the North East, Gary. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I think we were the first, weren't we? We were the first. Back in, it was a 2003. I think we, we hosted England. I think we were the first North East stadium to do so. Can't remember. Um, uh, Robert Park, Robert Park's had an England game. So it's, uh, Has it? I, think oh, I must be one of the first England yeah. games at uh, Stadium of Light. But like, when you look at like that calibre that was you know, was coming through the gates and stuff, and now like, we still get 33,000, you know, in League One because we've got great support. But yeah, ultimately mm. you do obviously want to see the greats back at, at your stadium. And fingers crossed, you know, in a couple of years, hopefully that'll happen. You get yeah, I mean, two thousand. Except when you when you only qualify for the playoffs, then you draw in us, right? I remember that. <laughs> you it was quite near the end of the season, and you played us, and you, you you packed out, packed the ground out, and then you missed out on automatic promotion. I remember, I actually, I was I was up at the game, and then you drew us in the playoffs, and the stadium was about nine thousand less, if I believe, remember, lads, than it was mm-hmm. in the thing. That's that general that general out- outrage. Remember, if you guys think you get automatically promoted, <laughs> just on that topic, 
Did you guys go to both games? Did you go no. to both of those ones? I went to the home, the home one when Maguire scored, um, and I went to the one-one draw, which you, which you mentioned. So I think Flanagan scored for us, and I want to say, I want to say, was it? Oh, it's not Carl. Nothing. I'm thinking about them a bit. Um, but I, I, I know Ports were equalised because the flare got thrown down. Um, was it? Obviously, the away tie was <laughs> get killed on Twitter. So I was, it was on, it was on Sky. So, you know, I didn't really want to fly, like go all the way down on a Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever it was. But I mean, the out, I mean, the, the the one overriding memory of that one is two actually was Grant Ledbetter playing after his mum had died. Uh, his mum had died the same day or the day before, and him. Like you know, beauty spraying down on the pitch up all time, and and obviously what still goes around now, Luke one night getting attacked <laughs> in the in the crowd, which was which was strange. I mean, was that you as well, you? <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm not pretty enough to be that guy there in the tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is though, when we when it comes around to playing Portsmouth, you'll see that pop up on fan forums at least couple of, like at least a couple of times, which it's it's a hilarious meme. It is hilarious because it just looks so angry. It's quite an embarrassment, mate, it was as well, because all the friends I've got who aren't Pompey fans, it's just assume that these two people, I've never seen at Fratton Park, I'm a season ticket holder, I don't know anyone who knows who they are, um, and you're on television, you're on Sky, and then you've got these two, like, cretins, sort of, like, getting physical with, with um, best of Luca 9, you know, and it's just, it's just embarrassing, isn't it? I remember explaining it to Graham and stuff, talking to his partner, it was like, what can you say? Like, I don't know if people expect us to defend them or something like that. It's like two <laughs> blokes that you've never seen in your life before looking in an absolute state. I believe he went to court, by the way, in a, a shell suit because um, it was in the local paper and he, I think he got done for it and I think he's banned now. So is what it is, right? The, the one thing for me about that actual situation was I was more surprised it was all nine. Like, Catamore, fair enough. You can understand if Catamore's like a blood and thunder kind of guy and would have probably got stuck in. But Luke nine is one of the nicest person in football. He's, he's lovely. You know, he's like, you, you know, you take him home, take him home to meet your mom and your mom would love him. He's such a lovely yeah. little lad. So that was, that was weird. But we'll, uh, we'll, move, we'll move on swiftly. Yeah, so we'll go from like best moments to, I mean, obviously, because. No, would you like us really? Like, you know, Sunderland have had, you know, I had a, a really good one up there. <laughs> um, Sunderland have had, like, kind of a, a really good time of things in the Premier League, but now down League One. But it was worse, Portsmouth. I mean, Portsmouth nearly went bust. You've mentioned, you know, the Peyton story, how you ended up taking, you know, taking their lovely bit of wage out of the club, nearly killing the process. And it, it ended up being down in League Two. I mean, that must have been a horrible time for, for you supporting the team. Well, yeah, the, the season before, when we were in, in League One, we came bottom of the league. There's some pretty shocking teams. I think we finished by Hartley Pools, some other r- real random teams that were absolutely shocking. And I think we won, I'm going to say, 10, 10 games that season. It was pretty painful, but we lost all we lost all the uh, all the players we had were any good. We tried to strip assets out. We had 10 points deducted because apparently the EFL thinks it's really good that if your owners rob all the money off you to sort of penalise the fans by slapping a 10-point deduction on you. But it was really bad. It, you think watching any of our teams now is bad. It was it was genuinely bad. And then that season we got relegated into, into League Two. It started to turn around a little bit because the fans actually, that's the season the fans managed to purchase the club. 
although we're talking about going into League Two, I think it took six seasons for us to get back out. Um, and in that season, things started to turn around. But all those years of us being down there, I think Sunderland fans think they've struggled. But you guys have not felt pain properly, you know? You had a little slap in. You had a little bit of a turning around. But when it comes to being sunk into League Two, playing, you know, I think we beat Notts County to get promoted in that season as well under Paul Cook with Jamal Lowe, a player who we picked up out of non-league at the time. Uh, coming on and, and scoring one of those goals to fire us back up. But there was some really, really sort of, I've tried to push him out the back of my head, to be honest, mate, but really bad seasons in League Two, just watching us sat down there. Um, and yeah, it, it was pretty dreadful. Yeah, I mean, can I quickly go on about this points deduction thing? Because we're seeing it with Derby at the minute, and Gary, I'll bring you in on this, because I think he was put in a hell of a point there. Why is it when a team is mismanaged financially, by the owners, by whoever's in charge of the big weeks, so to speak, why does the team and the fans get, you know, get, get, get you know, the get the shit, to be honest? I mean, you look at Derby this year, I think they've got an 18-point deduction in total, and they're still fighting like hell. I mean, to be fair, we Rooney's doing a fucking brilliant job there. But why is it that they, they give... They give the the club the, the, the deduction where the chips are really fine and the the owners or doing something the owners make to the door to the football club again. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, ultimately, the way that you know, the the way the the FA are looking at it is is the the club is the the asset. It's the property which is making the money. So, for them to install some kind of discipline. It has to come off of the club. It's not fair, um, because fans are paying their hard-earned money to come and watch this club. And you know, should that club be, you know, suffering through points deductions when fans are paying the hard-earned money come to watch them every week for what the owners have done? Like, I mean, really, I mean, this has happened in like NBA years and years back, where um, I can't remember the the owner of the LA Clippers, but he was banned from sport. For like financial negligence, um. Whereas, really, the, you know, it should be going over on the owners. Really, it should be look. If you can't run a football club, you're not going to manage another football club. You're not going to own another football club. We'll just we'll kick you out. Basically, is the way it should be. The fans shouldn't be the ones that have to suffer. We see we sort of uh obviously the Coventry United girls team. You know what I mean? The ladies team. Yeah. Like, you know, financially they were the ones that were suffering, and then when they came back, they got a points deduction. Like, why? Mm. They were literally hours away from going bust, yeah. like, and then uh, and came back. But uh, I mean, how close was it for Portsmouth? You, you know, back back in the day. And I don't want to, you know, open old wounds or anything like that. But how close was it that the club could have ceased to exist? Hours ago, hours away, really. We're at the High Court, certain judgments, and the fans actually crowdfunded the money together to buy what was potentially a share in the club. So, um, and then my dad managed to scrape together the money to get one share, effectively, what it was, which is about a thousand pounds. I think we had to pay off the debt. I'm, I can't remember the figures, it was around a million something pounds we owe tax revenue. So, we had to find that money from fans to pay it off to, to, to buy the club out, basically, from the administrators. But you talk about negligence. For me, the negligence comes with, with the EFL and the fit and proper persons and all this stuff for owners. You look at the, some of the owners' ports to have. We have 
Gaydermark was came in, looked like he did all right, but he had some issues with arms dealing and and things like that at the time. That was you know that, that came to light, and then he sold he sold the club off. We had some other owners. We had um, oh, my God, and and Antimov, whatever his name was. We thought, oh, okay, he's all right. He's in charge of a Lithuanian bank, and then the army moves in on him and and uh, on the bank, you know, the military do and then storm it and take him over for what, you know, corruption and things like that. We had another owner, um, Al Farage. The guy didn't really exist. Uh, there was a banner at the back of the frat and end saying, I lent him 20p for a coffee. Like, I want the money back. <laughs> um, I remember that time, yeah. It was time. just all these, all these like owners after people used to call it Mirage over and over again. And then you're going to try and penalise the fans after allowing the club to be passed around, you know, and I'm trying to think of a polite way of putting that, but just slapped around the fans where oh, bad owner to bad owner, no no real checks in place. And I don't really have the faith that although they say that they've put these real checks in place now, you still look at some of the people taking over in football, don't you? And you think, oh, I don't know, is how proper are these checks and how thorough are they? They definitely improved on when Pompey were originally in this situation. But, you know, you're, you're giving us points deductions and really what's happened is that the assets are being stripped out of the club and then it was thrown on someone else who tried to strip more assets out of the club. And then you're just finding the same, the fans over and over again, despite different owners taking over, <laughs> uh, just trying to take money out of the club, really, isn't it? And just crippling it with debt. So for me, it's, it's got to be on the people, not yeah, the definitely. football club. Definitely, I mean, where, where you want a, you know, a club that's, you know, it came back from the brink, really. The last thing you want is a point structure, which will probably more times than not lead to, lead to relegation. I mean, I know Bournemouth, you know, this is a few years ago, Bournemouth managed to, to escape that. But if that leads to relegation, that'll lead to less money, like the less assets, it'll lead to more job cuts. And, you know, the club just keeps on getting kicked in the balls, you know what I mean? So I just think there's got to be another way. I, I know there should be... There should be a movement, but I just think it's harsh. I mean, Gary, well, great point there. We had Paul on from um, from Company United Ladies team at the start of the year, and they were that close. They, in fact, they were close. The players got pulled, they were, they were out of the job and, and all that. And then you get saved at the 11th hour, you know, they get taken over and they've been slapped with a 10 point deduction. 10 so they're more than likely going to go out of the Women's Championship this year, which will put them into like what is the third tier. But it's split. There's a northern tier and then there's a southern tier. So they'll have to like kind of get back up through there, but more like have to play a playoff um, to get back up. And it's it's just not fair for me. But um, we'll go on the present day. He was obviously, um, as we've mentioned, really one for Bryson. It's that in Gary Sullivan fans, obviously, in, in your report, the farm, we're both in League One. Both for me, and I'm not like blowing smoke up anyone's arse, for me, it's two biggest clubs in League One by a mile. Um, and we seem to be in the same situation where there's seasons of promise and we either were tail away. But I thought this year with the Cowleys coming in, um, it would have been a really a good turn on for Portsmouth. I think they've done all right. I'm they've been on a really good unbeaten run, and then it's been a bit hit and miss. Um, obviously, I think we've shared wins this year, and we got hammered down down at Fratton Park in the um, in swimming pool. Um, and also the stadium of light on the potato field, so they managed to get a 1-0 victory. So what, what's happening this year then with Portsmouth? Um, do you think you can make a late run for the playoffs, or is it just going to be taken on the head this season and then uh, go for it again next year? Look, Poppy fans are always going to be in a situation when we're in the League One, where they think we should be challenging for automatic promotion or at least a playoff spot. However, you know, anyone who's actually sort of watched the team 
closely enough to see where we were going to be this season. Probably thought it'd be good if we could challenge for a playoff spot, but this was definitely a season of rebuilding. We cleared out, I think we got 15 players out in the summer. It was about getting rid of all the dead wood that, that um, talking too much about historical football there, Kenny Jacket um, had left around the club. The club was in a toxic situation. The fans were really uh, wanted the manager out for over a couple of years, really. Uh, they weren't too happy. I mean, I went on the on the ITV Meridian News and called for him to be sacked after the playoff. The playoffs went on, and yeah, it was just one of these situations where it had to happen, and it did. But it's not a quick, easy fix. However, you can say on the other hand, have the owners invested enough money in the playing team? Now they're talking about putting money into around the squad, sorry, around the infrastructure, developing the ground, and we'll see how that how that develops and stuff like that. But at the same time, on the pitch, we've now got the smallest playing squad in the league. We could all see that we needed additions in January. You know, we cleared out some of the contracts that weren't working too well. John Marquess has gone off to Lincoln. Ellis Harrison gone to Fleetwood. Paul Downing, somehow he managed to get rid of that man. I don't know how, but <laughs> probably paying 95% of his wages for him to join Rochdale. But all these sort of things and you think okay fair enough and that happened quite early in the January transfer window so you think right now we can start bringing in some players right this is the reason why we couldn't bring in players because you had all these people being paid money etc didn't really happen you know we, we brought in a couple of players but, but when you look at trying to sign a goal scorer things like that no disrespect, but, you know, Sunderland are trying to you know, do similar things and we've taken Aidan O'Brien off you. I mean, he did score with his first touch the other day, so fair play to the man. Um, but at the same at the same time, we've not really invested in enough stuff. We let Miguel Aziz go back to Arsenal. Fair enough, they recalled him. Never replaced him. Now we've got problems of injuries in centre midfield. And we've only got one fit centre midfielder who's not banned at the moment. Um, and to be honest, the squad is a couple of injuries away from being in serious problems of not being able to field a decent team, especially because the club haven't invested any money in the youth academy. We don't have an under-23s team. And quite frankly, at the moment, we'll be recalling players at the moment, like Jay Mingi, who's on loan at Maidenhead, to try and fill out the rest of the squad. Yeah, and then you got Denver Hume as well, haven't you? It was uh, from something now. I quite like Denver Hume, I must admit, but he, he's a very unfortunate player with injuries, I must admit. Um, but my me, me, me next question kind of is, with, with the Cowleys this season, and I've, I've watched I've watched Portsmouth as much as I can. I watched uh, the Charlton game actually a couple of weeks ago, whilst uh, me and my girlfriend were going to go to a gig, and we went and watched in the first half. And I was quite impressed to me, I thought they were doing all right. So have the Cowleys had enough time to put their stamp on Portsmouth yet, or they're still just learning, do you think? It's difficult to say, isn't it? First of all, I'll say that I'm I definitely am big backing Danny and Nicky Cowley. I think they're both two very good managers for us at this you know, at this moment in time. And the two guys that are the right people to take us forward. You know, we're really backwards before the Kenny Jacket. There's no real football analysis going on. I think one of the first things they did was actually erect like a tower in the training ground so they could actually record the training sessions and watch them back because he wasn't Jacket wasn't bothering to do that. He was just sort of turning up with his, his clipboard and his anorak and you know, gruffing around a little bit and doing whatever. So they are bringing quite a modern sort of approach to how, you know, you manage players and stuff like that and trying to go for sort of younger players. And I think that's the idea behind getting Denver Hume. You know, we play a wing-back system. We play three at the back. Um, we play sort of a three, sort of four, one, two formation. And the wing-backs are expected to get forward and provide the width around the attackers. 
they're not expected to drop deep and sit sit in really and have that sort of defensive responsibility you might have in a back four. Same for Marlon Romeo on lane for Millwall on the right hand side. He will actually he when he's been absolutely epic. He's he's pacey, he's quick, etc. So the Cowleys of what they've done is tried to implement a whole new playing style with 15 odd new players. It will take time. And football fans want want things instantly, don't they? I suppose. But my issue is they're the right people to take us forward. But if they're not giving any money to back them, to bring the players in that they want to, it's quite difficult to see if they'll even stick around. I'd be more worried to see them just think in the summer, pack this in, let's have an offer to go to another club who are willing to spend a bit of money and give us the players that we want. And at the moment, I think it's not, fans aren't that frustrated necessarily with, I mean, there's always some, isn't there? We all know that but aren't frustrated with the management. And the playing style is actually quite good. I mean, we saw against you guys, we pressed you pretty high up the pitch against Sunderland. Uh, we actually looked very good in the first sort of 20, 30 minutes, I thought, of the game at the Stadium of Light. When we get going, you know, we're quite a good team to watch like that. Defensively solid, press very high. In fact, I don't know if you guys into football stats, but our PPDA, so our passes um, pass per, per defensive action, that measures the, the sort of the press of a team going forward. People listening don't listen to football stats. Uh, it's one of the highest in, in four, four divisions it was a month ago. So it's including the likes of teams like Liverpool and stuff like that, which is quite a nice turnaround. We try and play the ball out and we'll try and press teams out of possession. It's going in the right direction. I said we'll finish eighth this season. That was my pre-season prediction. And we're not really that far off that, are we? So I can't really mind. No, I mean, there was a time, wasn't I think it was November and December, where there was, it was a really good unbeaten run, wasn't it? I think, was it, was it us who stopped it as well? Or, or you'd walk, lost one in 13, and then obviously that's our last win now, when when, uh, when we, were, we were shopping for. We somehow managed to win that game. But um, as as towards, you know, finish eighth, taking on the chin, as you're saying, do you think that there's a plan in place where, you know, and they make you know a really really good effort. Like right, we're aiming for top two. Is it going to be next season or um, would it be the season after anything like that? Do you think, or is it going to be the longer? Because I think the longer we're down here, and I say this for Sunderland as well as Chef Ware, Portsmouth, Rotherham. The longer you're down there, the harder it is to get out, and we're finding that really difficult at the minute because there's, there's always like you know the three teams who come down who are always all right. There's the likes of them gear dons now who've been. You know, slowly, slowly building. Oxford, who have been slowly, slowly building. Plymouth, who are slowly, slowly building. Who end up having a really good year. And then you're looking at, um, you know, you look at say Forest Green, who, who are more than likely going to come up. We've seen it with Lincoln. Um, we've seen it with Fleetwood. And when they come into this division, they just don't fear anybody. So the harder it is, the longer, sorry, the longer you stay down there, the harder it is to get out. It's interesting. I know Gary brought up an NBA reference earlier on. I'm actually a massive ice hockey fan. That's my passion outside of football. Um, and me and the lads talk a lot about ice hockey. Um, I listen to a lot of ice hockey podcasts as well. And I'm a big Philadelphia Flyers fan. One of the guys on my podcast, Freddie's um, he's a big uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And our, our owners, Michael Eisner, uh, used to be own the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, he was a CEO before over at Paramount, Disney, etc. So he's sort of, I don't know if he's sort of trying to have that approach of building us up like you do an American sports team. That's sort of, he's not investing very much money in the playing team at this moment in time, despite what they say, oh, we've increased the budget. I can't see it how it's the case. We've got 14 fit players at the moment. You can't tell me that we're sort of increasing the budget. 
And then you start building assets around the club. You start trying to, you know, they want to redevelop the away stands. That'd be nice for you lot when you come down because you'd rather have a pint in the back of the ground. <laughs> and they're talking about expanding the concourse. They're talking about, you know, relaying some sort of pitches and all this kind of stuff, which is great. But if you're going to say they're going to spend £40 million on the stadium or whatever, that's great. You're telling me you can't spend an extra £1 million on, on wages or something to balance that out. And I think it's a very slow approach to, to construction, to, to put, if I'm being balanced in between the two views. And I think maybe they're sort of trying to build that up like an American sports model. Now, the problem with that is, really, is that if you come bottom of this league, you get relegated into League Two, you don't get the best player in the draft, you don't get you know, the top superstar for coming worst, and then you build all the facilities at the same time. I think there's a little bit of a disconnect in that sense from how you build a franchise as they see it and how you actually build an English football team. Because you actually need to invest a little bit of money in the playing squad, don't you? In order for the team to get promoted, in order to get the TV revenue, in order to then even just bounce back and be able to pay players again to get promoted. And those teams who sort of yo-yo up and down a bit tend to then get some money and then they then they end up going back up again, don't they? Because they've sort of got that money from revenue. And a bit like when you guys didn't go up after having your TV revenue, parachute payments from coming down, that's gone. And then you have to find someone to invest more money. So, yeah, it is getting more difficult the longer you stay in the league. And especially if you don't, invest money in the playing squad so when they're talking about how they spent all this money on denver human it's you know 170k or something like that like it's some sort of big spend it isn't really is it so yeah i mean is it going to be danny cowley said i think in in the new ports of news the other day that it's going to be so much better for us getting promoted when we do get promoted because we'll be doing it without spending loads of money um that sort of sounds like a man who's doesn't he thinks he's going to have to pull off some sort of coaching miracle in order to get yeah. this team promoted? Yeah, it's kind of the same here. We're not spending money. We're trying to bring players in on loan. Well, we've done two things. We tried to fill up the league one journeyman, which hasn't worked. Now we're trying the young, the young roots where we're getting young players on loan and on freeze and everything. Like that. And hey, you just you just got Jermaine Defoe in and we've just taken your fourth try striker off you and you're paying part of his wages. So I think I think there's a bit of a we're in two different worlds at the moment. We were yeah. talking about before spending money and we had you know the likes of Jamal Lowe, we had like Matt Clark playing for us in that in that season, Christian Burgess, he's now got Burgess, the centre back yeah. defence and the you know, centre back stats in the whole of Belgian top league and stuff. And you look at us now and you think you know, what's happened? And we've regressed backwards on, yeah. on the field anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, right. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll finish it off, I think. We'll uh, we'll go on to Baller and Balling of the Week, Hugh. Um, obviously, for those who, who are listening to us for the first time, I do explain the rules every week. Basically, you get um, Baller of the Week, which is a, it can be anyone in sport. It can be a team, it can be a player uh, in any sport all over the all over the globe who's had a particularly good week, which is your baller, and your baller has had a particularly bad week. Um, so we always start with our guest first. And so Hugh will go for Baller for you. Baller of the Week. Ooh, I'm going to... I've just been thinking about Porter for too much. I was trying to think of someone else who's done something <laughs> actually out- outstanding. But I'm going to give it to oh, this week, is it? That's a bit of a tougher one. 
I was, do you know what? It's 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 rough, isn't it? No one knows what day I'm recording this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Michael Jacobs or Crackers, as we're saying. Pompey. <laughs> the man is single-handedly the only person until the other day who can score a goal for us. Um, he's he's been sort of frozen out a little bit because he didn't really fit the new system. Yeah, he's 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 come back from being injured. He's actually turned down opportunities to move away uh said he wants to see out the season here see how he can play it out rather than necessarily going somewhere to start thinks he's too good for that he has done it he's by far our best player at this moment in time love you crackers please keep <laughs> playing football because without him we're going to be in the lower mid half of the table if you can't keep playing so yeah michael jacobs he's my baller of the week yeah gary go to you uh baller um for so for baller Gonna have to go for this person just simply plays a legend and you know for his service. I'm gonna you know go fit in and go baller and go Kevin Ball, um just so you know his service to the club. It's it's sad to see him go. Probably he's, like like we talked about earlier on in the podcast. You know, Tractor often probably is a lesser role in the club. Um, he stuck by us through thick and thin. And let's be honest, there's been a there's been a lot of crap moments. You know. Um, poor ownership, poor director of footballs, two relegations, stuck in League One, and he's been there all throughout it. Like so, obviously Kevin Ball, you're not listening to this, but thank you for your service. You never know, he might, he might, we might be his favourite <laughs> podcast. Harry, you never know. You never know. Um, I'm gonna go for Ryan Sterling. Um, I think he's just had a crap week. You know, Hattrick against Norwich, um, and then. An absolutely tremendous goal um, in, in what was a tremendous performance by Man City on, uh, on Tuesday night against Sport in Lisbon. Um, I just think he's really, really, uh, he got a lot of kind of stick in the, in the Euros for not stepping up to the penalty and everything like that. And I think he, he, he said he wanted to leave if he wasn't getting enough games in November or September or something or other this, this year. And I think since Christmas, he's just stuck his head down and he just looks, he's looking like a phenomenal player again. I think he's, I think he's meant to be honest and he's done under my dream team. Um, and, you know, Harry obviously took him out last week. So yeah, it's um, kind of rubbing it in. <laughs> um, so Ryan Sterling's mine. Uh, we'll move on um, to Ball AX. So here we're back to you. Yeah, ball like of the week. Oh, I mean, like, I'm just trying to think about this from a level of who's actually... I've got a couple up there, and I'm just trying to think who's really cheesed me off the most, really. I mean... Oh, it's difficult. I mean, I don't want to say Sean Williams, because he's actually injured now for the rest of the season um, with with a back injury, which means we've actually got one less midfielder in the centre of the park, but... He's still, it's still been so rubbish. It's, it's really jarring <laughs> me. And uh, I, I know this is not a PC thing to say, and I know Pompey fans are gonna are gonna hate on me for it when the man's got a bad back. And hope you get well, Sean Williams. But unfortunately, being the least mobile centre midfielder I've ever seen put on a Portsmouth shirt, and that says something. Um, unfortunately, is still aching my bollocks. And I've got to say that when someone, I mean, it's, it's been on the press that he's the man to unlock every defence, etc. And is expected assists for the season 0.4, um, <laughs> well, no, 1.2, and expected goals 0.4. You know, if, you, if you're if you a centre midfielder who can't create any chances, can't score goals, and has a tack, tackling percentage less than 50, and also looks like you've got a parachute on your back, it's been, it's been a pleasure having you, Sean, but uh, 
that's your contract's up for the summer and maybe you won't be a ball lake after that. I think, I think we need a different key if that's going to be unlocking defences, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll move on to Gary. Uh, I'm going to go for... I don't want to say a guy. Um, I'm going to go for the team as a whole, but I just think this person generally looks a bit dejected. I don't feel like he knows what he's really got himself in for. And I think the last couple of games probably have shown that. But I'm going to go for Antonio Conte and Spurs. Like, three league defeats in a row. Um, He looks dejected. Doesn't look like he wants to be there. You know, Harry Kane isn't exactly performing. They haven't got any real performing players, give or take. Um, You know, Lucas Moura's son. Hoiberg in the centre of park, but you know Hoiberg's a holding man. Um, he's not gonna like do much as far as going forward. Um, Emerson Royale is like one of the worst right backs I think I've ever seen. Um, I just think he looks like he's having a bit of a torrid time at Spurs at the minute. In my honest opinion. Do you know what? If I was Antonio Conte, this is probably going a little bit off off pace, but one thing that I think would solve a lot of problems at Spurs. Get rid of Harry Kane. Sell him. He doesn't want to play for you. Sell him. Man. You know what I mean? Let him go somewhere where he's going to enjoy them. He's going to enjoy himself. He'll get about, what, 90 to 100 million for him. He can replace him with a couple of, you know, that's probably going to buy him a good defender, which they need because defence is absolutely atrocious. Uh, uh, probably a centre midfielder, which they need because they need someone who's going to, you know, I don't want to nick uh, Hughes' words, but unlock the defence, you know, and, and they're probably doing them right. I mean, Kane's just. It just it just doesn't look like he's enjoying his football for me. I think that'll that'll just sort them right on. You had done a view for opinion on Spurs. Yeah, Harry Kane, get yourself down front and part, mate. You're more than welcome here. <laughs> nice. um, you need you need to re- reunite your reunite your career. Get yourself down. You know, Danny Kelly's a great manager. We'll have him. I reckon he'll do all right for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm not being minging on Kane. I'm not saying like you know he's he's shit or because he's not. He's one of the best players in the world. But he can tell when a, when a player doesn't want to. to the Olympics if they felt that there was a risk to the season or whatever, blah, 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 blah. 
So basically, people who don't watch ice hockey, the, all the best players in the world who play in the top league are now not allowed to go or have not gone to the Olympics, which is basically like the World Cup in ice hockey. It's, that, it's the sport that everyone wants to, wants to go to. And they've decided that it's not safe for the players to go, but still the Olympics is going on in every other sport with every other player who's or athlete who's the best at every other sport. For some reason, they've decided Gary Bettman, your totter, decided that the best players in the world can't go it comes around once every four years uh, don't get to watch the best players in the world playing against each other it's like brazil having a side out there where all the premier league players and just finding players from little brazilian clubs who you know haven't been able to make it so yeah that, gary bettman hate you mate <laughs> didn't the, didn't the, the americans get knocked out of slovakia yesterday the great ice hockey you know, tradition, tradition of South Slovakia. I mean, I don't mean to sound horrible about Slovakia, but come on. <laughs> you know I mean? Exactly. It's uh, ruined it, isn't it? It's ruined the competition. It is. It's ruined the competition. It is. I mean, to be fair, up until the day of my ball, it was the British uh, team, but not actually winning the medal in 13 days, but we've won one today. So, uh, really? we're guaranteed a silver. Yeah, we're guaranteed a silver in the curling. I watched that today. Three hours I watched. I won't, I, to be honest, I actually quite like curling. I think it's a sport that I would really enjoy doing. You know, because you're because... not basically in Scotland, isn't it? Everyone is basically Scottish. Curling, <laughs> as long as you're Scottish, you're a curler. Yeah, yeah. I think you, like, you kind of curl before you walk when you're Scottish. But I, I love it. They have actually, they're in the final. So the final's on Saturday. But they're guaranteed a silver medal. So we've actually won a medal. So hooray. Um, just the amount of like funding that goes in. I know a lot of funding goes into... Um, into these sports, I know curling is probably one of the main ones, but for the amount of funding that you know you get off off the lottery commission, everything like that, not to, to only have one medal and possibly only really having two because the, the 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 girls curling team play less than the more is probably a little bit of a, a letdown. Um, but yeah, we'll end we'll end that there. Um, Hugh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I wish Portsmouth the best of luck this season. Hopefully, beat a few of um, Sun's promotion. Rivaled, um, and we may see each other in the playoffs. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes, I think it's a bit wishful for us at this moment in time. It could happen. We've won two in a row. We'll see what happens. But guys, thanks for being on the podcast. It's always a pleasure chatting about football with you. Great yeah, no worries at all. And for anyone who is listening, please tune in to the PO4 podcast like you hosts. Um, it's a weekly thing, isn't it, Ned? So, you know, if, if you're interested in your you know, if we're fans for the first time, we want to get into new football podcasts, you know, give, give you and the guys a listen and, and it'll be a great, uh, great hour or so of your lives. Yeah, we always have some different Sunderland guests on, you might know as well. So you boys have to come on at some point. And um, yeah, so always a lot of build up. We always do a lot of writing as well. 10, 10 guys who write with us as well. I think we're 137 episodes in now. We've been running for, for four fun. years. So yeah, check us out, especially around Sunderland games and anyone else who's listening from a League One club. Yeah, awesome. definitely, definitely. Gary, as usual, thanks very much, Ness. No bother, mate, no bother. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, we are talking Barnsley next week, so um, that'll give me and Gary a lovely little flashback to when we <laughs> got ran out of town um, through through the Roy Keane playoff season, so I'm sure that's going to be fun. Until then, everyone, hope you're staying safe. Um, if you're in the, um, the red zone for the storm, I hope you're all right. Um, you know... Him fingers crossed, hopefully it's not as bad as it, as it looks. Um, we will see you guys next week. Thanks very much. Everyone take care. Bye-bye for now. And that was Ant's weather report. Good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.